Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What up, TCK Potters? I'm your host, Scott Guasco. This is episode 199. 200 coming up next. 199 of the Candace Kids Fantasy Podcast. I'm joined once again by Lucas Kaser. Lucas, how you feeling, brother? I'm ready, just like the last episode, to finally wrap it up. This is the last one where I have to where I have to reference non-rookies to talk about them. That will not be the case anymore. I'll just actually get to talk about them. So I'm excited. Dig it, man. I'm, I'm with you, man. It's been a long sludge of uh, rookie predictions, which, of course, most of those go out the window once the NFL draft actually happens. Then we get into redraft, and everything changes for the veterans. A lot of people had dynasty leagues, um, such as us, uh, which we'll be announcing here pretty soon, the results of that. We actually escaped pretty well. Our good friends at the Commission FFP, not so much. They did have a couple guys that they drafted pre-draft uh, that maybe you know took a hit because of a rookie coming in. So we'll see what happens there. As you heard on Tuesday, we covered the AFC side of the fantasy implications for the rookies coming in and the vets in which they now share a team with. We're going to do the same for the NFC side um, this podcast, and we're going to have a big episode for 200. Uh, very excited about that. And if you haven't checked them out yet on Monday of this week, Lucas and I finally dropped our uh, official set of rankings, our first official set of rankings. Of course, you know that Lucas uh, dropped um, the Fantasy Stock Exchange Rookie Draft Guide, which if you don't have a free copy of that, you're messing up and you should definitely go get one. Um, But we also played around with some rookie uh, pre-draft rookie rankings, uh, which of course all those are obsolete at this point. But uh, we have our first official rankings. Lucas focusing mostly on dynasty. I'm focusing mostly on redraft. But we do each have a set um, per uh, fantasy style. So make sure you go and cop those. All right, man. Let's jump right into it. The AFC West. We'll start with the San Francisco 49ers. Let's just go right into it. Um, Again, just a recap, we're not going to cover every draft pick for each team. We did that with Jonathan Rifkin, our good brother uh, from the Pac-12 Network, who came on for the last six episodes. We're not going to cover every player again. We're just going to cover the fantasy um, implications on more of immediate. Now, I'm sure there's rookies we're not going to talk about now who will emerge that nobody sees out of nowhere. But as of right now, we're going to talk about those earlier guys who may have fantasy implications more um, suddenly. So let's get into the 49ers here. Brandon Ayuk, 25th pick overall, wide receiver from Arizona State. Uh, again, just remind me um, because uh, as a 49er fan, but also a, a, a Debo fan, um, I want to know for fantasy, does Brandon Ayuk coming into San Francisco hurt or help Debo Samuel? It's tough because I think it helps everyone but himself. Um, he's extremely yards after catch. He was number two last year in terms of the overall class of weapons, but he was number two behind Devin Duvernay on, he was in 14 yards on 40 less catches. So he was mm. well, well, well ahead of like the number one status. In this yeah. yeah. So it's tough because I don't think he comes in and even contends for the number one B target share with Kittle and Samuel, but I think he easily could, but I think this helps Kittle the most I think it this is the one where a better team provides better players um theory that we talked about last episode so I think that it just helps Kittle Jimmy G the overall offense I don't know if he's gonna have much fantasy value because Debo does but how high is his ceiling it's more of a low wide receiver two uh kind of capped but yeah overall I think this in terms of dynasty solidifies Kittle as the tight end one redraft probably makes the conversation closer to me putting Kittle over Kelsey 
But yeah, I think it's just it's more of just a football move, like I said, than a fantasy move. But um, I think it's gonna be great for the 49ers. I think this is an awesome pick. I would have liked, as I mentioned, I would have liked uh, T. Higgins, but uh, Brandon Ayuk is a beast, and I'm I'm totally good with that. All right, let's move on to the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, did not do much in the earlier rounds. They grabbed Colby Parkinson from Stanford, another tight end. They have four tight ends at this point. We'll see what happens there. I do want to talk about DJ Dallas though. Uh, fourth round running back they grab out of Miami, who is Carson's handcuff for now. Um, but next year could just be that guy. We've talked a number of times on the podcast that we personally don't believe Rashad Penny is going to make it happen. Um, Pete Carroll and and uh, the front office of Seattle really has just kind of leaked um, that, A, Chris Carson should be healthy and ready to go by week one, which is great for him. But on the flip side, unfortunately, Rashad Penny probably will not and could end up on the preseason pup list. And if he's on the pup list to start the season – uh, then he'll be out at least six to eight weeks, uh, which obviously gives DJ Dallas more opportunity there. Um, so let's start with Colby Parkinson really quickly. And just, I know tight ends aren't sexy, but we should cover them. They bring in Greg Olson from Carolina, who's maybe got a year or two left in his career. Will Disley has been super fun for about six weeks of fantasy football so far yeah. over two years before he's been hurt and lost a season twice. My boy, Jacob Hollister, Never gets enough love. I know that you aren't a big fan, but I think he's fucking phenomenal. But he's the third, fourth guy anyway. Now they bring in Colby Parkinson. Uh, what is going on here with the tight ends? Is this a run-blocking move, or is this a, a legit actual um, secondary weapon here for Russell Wilson? Well, he was like a, he was a legit actual tight end in college. Um, this is like the complete Seattle pick. Same with DJ Dallas, which we'll go into next. I, I guess it's like a draft him and put him on their taxi squad, wait for Olsen to retire next year. I mean, Disley tore his ACL last year after he was hurt the year before, so I don't think there's much left there. Hollister, like I said, is a, a J-back, a fullback that catches the ball that just had to play that tight end spot because they had no tight ends. So, I, I don't know. I mean, like if your team has a dynasty or a roster spot of a tight end in the dynasty league and you're thin at tight end, sure, but I probably just stay away or don't even care about it for the most part. Um, DJ Dallas comes in as basically competing for the backup with Travis Homer. Um, I don't want to say he's better because he did not show it whatsoever in college. Miami also kind of was not very good last year, but I guess if they like him enough to take him here over guys like, you know, Benjamin, even Mike Warren, um, any fifth through seventh round running back really, I just didn't think he was that good, but obviously it means something that they took him here. Uh, we saw Carson's fumbling problems, how easy he could be benched for Rashad, hurt Rashad Penny, Travis Homer, beast mode. Obviously, Carson was hurt there, but I feel like that they would have signed him probably anyways uh, just for depth. So, yeah, just a dynasty stash. Um, I don't even know if he's necessarily a taxi squad guy because he's going to probably get production right away if he is the running back too with as bad as it, like as gross as it is elite upside for how not that great of a running he's slow you're like a four or five eight and he's not that big so it's just not appealing but you have to buy in due to the situation there's been a lot of uh incredible hurricane running backs though so i guess we'll give That's them we'll, we'll give him a chance uh, i do have uh, chris carson at 17 he was at 15 pre-draft i just dropped him a couple spots with uh with them bringing in dj dallas and i have dj dallas right now at 45 um so the back end of those uh, RB4s. 
All right, let's move on to the Rams. They bring in Cam Akers, another obviously uh, high-profile rookie running back. I know we like him a lot. Let's talk about the landing spot. And then Van Jefferson as well um, from Florida. I am wondering if this is going to hurt my boy Josh Reynolds, uh, who we've been a big fan of here on the podcast. So let's start first with Cam Akers, who's taking over Todd Gurley, obviously out of town, moves over to the ATL, takes over for Devonta Freeman there for the Falcons. Cam Akers... I think he has a legit chance to just be the running back uh, with Daryl Henderson and uh, Malcolm Brown just not emerging as that guy last year uh, behind Todd Gurley. So how do you feel about Cam Akers here landing um, behind another terrible offensive line, unfortunately, but a should-be high-powered offense with the Rams? Yeah, so the whole Daryl Henderson sort of aspect of it. They obviously drafted Henderson last year and everyone was kind of shocked like why they would do that. And then it was Daryl Henderson season once Gurley left for about a month. Like I said, that gap between free agency and NFL draft never buy in. And then they go draft Akers when this team has clear other needs. So obviously it's Akers backfield to lose. I don't think it's any way around it. In terms of their offensive line, I don't think you'd believe this. They're the number one pass blocking offensive line last year. Isn't that crazy? And then they're like 30th in run blocking. So it's like a, just a mediocre blocking line, I guess. Uh, sure. I don't know. It's really weird. But then you take that into account, and Gurley was the RB15 last year on 14 games played. So the people that are like kind of like acres behind the bad offensive line, like shut it down. Like, I don't know. Gurley with one knee was RB14 last year. So, like, I don't really know what's missing there. Um, he's going to get a lot of touches ran to the ground. Like I said, that's why I was debating – him or Dobbins on my RB3 in terms of my Dynasty rookie rankings because Dobbins has the clear path to extreme upside, but Akers is going to get ran to the ground for two to three years. So it's kind of take it with what you will, um, whatever your team can afford in Dynasty. But I like Akers a lot. I think he will be run right away, 20 touches a game for three years if he stays healthy. So it's it sucks for him, but not really because he's going he's gonna to earn his money one way or the other. Um, but I like him a lot. And then Vaughn Jefferson primarily plays in the slot. So this is really concerning for not really Reynolds, but for Cooper Cup, actually, who they can, he's a free agent next year and they can cut him or trade him for virtually no dead cap and save a bunch of money. So I don't want to throw that out of the uh, aspect of it. They're, the lot, they're 32nd in cap space right now. Obviously, they, well, they're actually negative right now. So they can't even pay Cooper Cup. So they need to do something. So I think they might trade him, try to replenish maybe their picks uh, here and there. Kind of like what we saw with Amari Cooper, sort of the, the Cowboys, sort of the, the Raiders sort of traded him away on one year prior to his contract year, but similar situation for a first and I think a second or something, but we could definitely see that. I do like Von Jefferson as a dynasty stash, just because if Cooper gets traded, he's going to get the wide receiver 2B uh, targets behind apparently the, the best ranked pass blocking offensive line, I guess. <laughs> yeah, but the 31st running. <clears throat> I've got Cam Akers right now at 26, and Daryl Henderson, I think, made the farthest drop for me personally. Uh, I had him at 28 pre-draft. Uh, now he's at 58. Um, I've got him behind basically all the second-tier uh, second running backs, backup running backs. I've got him as kind of my, my last one there because, again, there is Malcolm Brown who's going to get work, and I think Malcolm Brown's just as good. Uh, he's just a little bit older, so I'm, I'm worried about that, but I do like, uh, I do like Cam Akers a lot, and – uh, Von Jefferson should be great. 
um, and we'll see what what they do. I think Cooper Cup's going to be awesome again this year while Von Jefferson gets used to this offense, but as you mentioned, could be making a move in the future. Let's move on to the Cardinals, and we'll wrap up the NFC West. Not much here. They grab Isaiah Simmons, of course, uh, out of Clemson, and then Josh Jones, uh, a tackle out of Houston for their first two picks to really – uh, you know, focus on that defensive core, focus on the offensive line core, which is great. Uh, and then the only player for fantasy that we're really interested in is Eno Benjamin, running back, uh, deep seventh round out of Arizona State. Uh, we had mentioned kind of the, the comparison between him and Chase Edmonds. Um, we're thinking that, you know, they both have an opportunity to kind of be the backup for Kenyon Drake. But this gives me even more love for Kenyon Drake because we know that we uh, Kenyon Drake is – or the I should say Cliff Kingsbury is a one running back guy. So as long as Kenyon Drake is healthy and effective, which he was incredible in his second half of the season for the Cardinals last year, going 808 over the last eight games, he should be just fine. Um, but Eno Benjamin, I think, does bring a, a little spark to this offense as well. Yeah, I mean, it's just a dynasty stash. We touched on the <clears> whole contract <throat> with Kenyon Drake uh, last week. Uh, the one thing fantasy-related that we forgot to mention is they now have someone to cover the tight end in Isaiah Simmons. So we might we might have to shut up the whole uh, the whole uh, chalk start. Cardinals are a free, yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe maybe the Will Disley won't score two touchdowns a week now or something like that. Hollister might though. Boom. That's true. That's true. Yeah, that's awesome. I've got a, I've got Drake at seven right now, um, and then I've got the other two guys uh, pretty deep here. You know, Benjamin at seventy, um, and Chase Edmonds at sixty-one. So, still think Chase Edmonds has the edge just because he was there last year in his one-four touchdown game. He played really well before he got hurt, and he looked great in that offense. And you know, you know, uh, Benjamin's still you know obviously a rookie, so it might take a little bit longer to get him ahead. But <clears throat> that is the NFC West. Make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel here and leave a comment on your favorite and least favorite NFC rookie landing spots here. And um, make sure to subscribe and leave a rate and review for the podcast wherever you're listening. We much, much appreciate you getting the sounds out. Let's move on to the NFC North. Uh, The Green Bay Packers were busy with nine picks, but I'm not sure I'm excited about any of those nine picks. We've, we let you go in on them last podcast, so maybe we'll save some of that venom here. Um, but, uh, of course, they grabbed Jordan Love, quarterback out of Utah State, as their first pick. Plenty of receivers on the board, and they go with Jordan Love. Then in the second round, they go with A.J. Dillon. Plenty of receivers on the board, and they go with A.J. Dillon. And <clears throat> after that, they go with the tight end with plenty of receivers on the board. So let's talk about um Jordan Love there's not much to talk about we know the situation he if he's around long enough for Aaron Rodgers to either move on or retire he'll get the opportunity but that doesn't seem to happen anytime soon you and I have had a text thread back and forth that we think Aaron Rodgers is going to leave next year I do believe that I've been mentioning the 49ers maybe the Bears there's a handful of teams that would love a you know 37 year old Aaron Rodgers over whoever the hell they have right now um and then that would give Jordan Love the opportunity but he's not going to play anytime soon Let's move on to A.J. Dillon, who is the third capable running back uh, who does have some pass-catching chops, who's huge, Derrick Henry-esque comparisons as far as the goal line work goes uh, to go along with um, Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones. Now, of course, Jones had 19 touchdowns last year. So if he has those chopped in half with A.J. Dillon getting a chunk of those, that's going to obviously affect his uh, fantasy um, 
statistics and Matt LaFleur, former coach of the Titans and Derrick Henry, basically brings in this year's version of Derrick Henry. So what the hell is going on in the Green Bay backfield? I, I'm just going to kind of give the same spiel I gave last time. Uh, if you are did not listen to that, I did defend both sides of the Packers because I kind of like the, like I said, I sit in the middle on everything. Um, but with A.J. Dillon here, Jones and Williams are free agents next year. Like I said last time, they have given every reason to cut down Jones' snaps in the past. With Jamal Williams sticking around, I've comped him to Royce Freeman because that's kind of like what he is. Like a Devontae Booker is kind of like what Jamal Williams is. But now they have a capable first and second down running back. Jones, like it seems like he is because he had 19 touchdowns. So everyone thinks he was like actually a really good running back last year. Like he was like a top in the league, but he really wasn't. He actually wasn't that good compared to like in terms of like actual running back status in the NFL. So Jones will be the, or Jones will be probably the third down uh, sort of, come on, I'm just going to say Kamara because it's kind of a similar scenario. But I think they might run a lot of two running back sets actually now. Uh, you have to remember Matt LaFleur, first draft as this coach, first draft as like the actual, like making the decisions. Um, and he came from the Titans with Derrick Henry, a year of DeMarco Murray, and then it was Deion Lewis after that. So he likes having two running backs. And I think that Jones, however, his his volume will get knocked down. I think it'll actually, his efficiency will kind of, um, not necessarily, it'll go down, but it'll more like even out to where you'll be able to still draft him and play him in fantasy. Dylan, I think is more of a, Jordan Howard with upside or a Frank Gore with upside in terms of fantasy. It'll probably be like a flex spot here or there if you have multiple flex spots that you start. But I like them both, honestly, for fantasy because this offense is not bad. They did not get any worse. They added uh, Devin Funches, which whatever. Like everyone says he sucks if you haven't seen him play in two years. Like it's it's what, like I'm I said, excited like, to see it. It'll be exciting. You still have Lazard. You still have MVS. You still have Geronimo or not Geronimo Allison. Um, Equinemius St. Brown. You still have uh, Sternberger, you had Josiah DeGuara. The defense got a little bit worse, but it wasn't that great anyways last year. So I think this team is going to stay consistent. Adding a running back that can just get you four to five yards of carry only makes the opportunities more because you're getting second and four, second and five, third and one. You're guaranteeing yourself a first down. Um, but in terms of just overall fantasy, I think this locks in Devonta Adams as the wide receiver two overall. Um, I didn't really like buy into that right away and then i've been kind of looking at it and i saw i read an article on roto world um kind of breaking down his i probably should have wrote stuff down breaking down his when he came back from his injury like the volume he had was like it was greater than michael thomas's like opportunities so i think that i had him as the wide receiver one last year um i don't know if i might this year because they added sanders to the saints so we'll see how that all plays out after i do my projections and everything but yeah, I think he's locked into the two, and you can get him for like in the second round of some redraft drafts right now. Yeah, I totally agree. I'm a huge, huge Tay Adams fan. I, I drafted him in our TCK pod league, like fifth overall or whatever that was. Um, I also drafted him as my first pick in my league of record as well, which was was like maybe seventh or tenth overall in that league. Either way, I he was my first round pick in my two main leagues last year. Obviously, he got hurt, and it bit me in the ass, but – um, he was on pace to just absolutely fucking smash, and I love his situation. I might he was my preseason number one over DeAndre Hopkins last year as well. And again, I think Michael Thomas is undoubtedly proven and and probably going to be the number one. But if anybody's going to take over that number one slot, it's going to be uh, Devonta Adams for me as well. Just a quick mention on the running backs here: uh, Aaron Jones for me is 16. 
RB16 in redraft right now. He was 11 pre-draft. They dropped him five spots after they brought in A.J. Dillon. I am worried about that goal line work. Um, quick question, I guess, if you haven't covered it per se. I've got Jamal Williams at 54 and A.J. Dillon at 57, so I'm not sure who that true RB2 is going to be. Um, obviously, they have two different skill sets, A.J. Dillon being massive, you know, 6'1 plus. Uh, he's going to be that that pounder, I'm sure. Um, and then Jamal Williams is more of a pass-catching back. But who do you think is actually maybe the handcuff to own? If you have Aaron Jones, you're in the 10 to 15th round, and, and mm-hmm. both those guys remain on the board. Who would you be looking for in a redraft? Obviously, Dynasty, it's A.J. Dillon. But in, in redraft, who would you be looking for this year? I think the handcuff to Jones would be Jamal Williams. Um, it's kind of a tough question. Cause I don't think if Jones gets hurt, they're not going to throw the ball. I don't even know how many targets uh, Aaron Jones had, but they're not going to throw the ball to AJ Dillon. Aaron Jones had 60, 69 targets of so 4.6 per game. They're not going to give AJ Dillon 4.6 targets per game. He just, it wouldn't be the most efficient for that offense. So I think Jamal Williams might be worth a sort of just a stash because you, I'm, I'm assuming his ADP come draft time is going to be like, like probably not even in the top 15 to 16 rounds that you normally draft. So I think, um, I think AJ Dillon's a really safe option, probably in like the ninth or tenth rounds. But I think if you're trying to go most upside, I still think Aaron Jones is the pick because it's just based off, it's all based off bias and mock drafts and stuff. I think Aaron Jones will probably be a fifth or sixth round pick, which. I'll probably we'll probably do something where we weigh out like the 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 value of each pick compared to the rest in the draft. So I'm sure Aaron Jones will have the highest rating you could say due to his upside. Absolutely, and I want to mention one more thing on Aaron Jones. We'll move on. Uh, last year he had 14, about 1,500 total yards rushing and receiving, and he had 19 touchdowns. Christian McCaffrey had over 2,000 total yards, 600 plus more, and also had 19 touchdowns. So again, the regression for Aaron Jones at uh, running back number two last year on the season. Um, the regression there makes me nervous. This is before A.J. Dillon. Uh, now they bring in somebody who, if it's, you know, third and two, second and two, first and goal, they might bring in A.J. Dillon just to make sure to get those points. Also, he hasn't been doing it as much because Aaron Rodgers has just changed as a quarterback over the last three to five years, which has been sad and frustrating for fantasy owners. But Aaron Rodgers for years, and maybe it's because they didn't have a running game, but Aaron Rodgers for years threw more than any other running uh, quarterback outside of um, Russell Wilson inside the red zone and certainly inside the 10, right? So he likes to just kind of have those quick hitter slants and whatnot, which, you know, made a lot of uh, Jordy Nelson's um, late career there. So that'll be interesting. All right, let's move on for the Packers. Um, the Vikings had 17 total picks. Uh, they had a lot of picks on defense, a lot of offensive linemen, things like that. So really, I just want to talk about one player, unless you have anyone else to cover, and that's Justin Jefferson. Um, 22nd pick uh, overall, wide receiver out of LSU. Um, of course, Diggs moves on to Buffalo. Adam Thielen's still around, but 31, probably a year or two left. I don't super hate Thielen in redraft, but I'm definitely fading him. Um Justin Jefferson, I don't know if he's going to be like Stephon Diggs this year, but he will be moving forward. Um, how do you feel about uh, his landing spot in this offense particularly and right now uh, for Justin Jefferson? Yeah, he comes in with 110 vacated targets, and I'm pretty sure that's all you all you need to use to evaluate him. He's a good receiver. Um, he proved that combine last year, national champion, obviously draft capital. He's going to take Stephon Diggs' role and 
I'm not a big Stephon Diggs guy anyway, so I think he's going to be better than Stephon Diggs in that offense. Thielen's older. He's regressing. So I think it's it's sort of wheels up, you could say, for him. He'll probably be my highest redraft-ranked rookie receiver um, mm-hmm. just due to vacated production opportunity. The, the offense is good. The team's good. So I think he'll probably be my highest there. Uh, but he, I, it's kind of mixed reviews where people have him in terms of their rankings. I'm pretty sure he's my two right now maybe my three but i see him all the way down at six or seven um which i totally understand both sides do it uh but yeah i think it's it's a safe bet redraft rookie drafts dynasty startups either way you slice it yeah i have uh just jefferson right now is 39 uh Thielen is 22 but as you mentioned justin jefferson is my highest ranked redraft rookie receiver. Um, he's a 39, which isn't sexy, but basically it's because all these guys are backups for now. Um, but uh, my rookie redraft um, rankings are Jefferson, Judy, Lamb, uh, Ruggs, Reger, Pittman, Mims, and Higgins for right now. Uh, I will say that if A.J. Green holds out, gets traded, gets hurt again, whatever, Higgins is going to be in that top five for sure of that group. Um so Justin Jefferson, a great landing spot there. I totally agree. In Dynasty, I think he's an awesome grab. Let's move on to the Chicago Bears. Um, not much to mention here. Uh, Cole Komet, they grabbed the top tight end off the board. Um, for a lot of people, he was the consensus. Number one, I know that uh, there were a couple other people, Harrison Bryant, uh, Troutman, um, some other people at, at the, the top there. But they go with Cole Komet. They've, they've wanted to have that tight end position with um, – Matt Nagy in Chicago for two years and they just couldn't have it. Trey Burton had an awesome year a couple years ago. We all expected a huge year last year and he fucking just fell on his face and he was hurt and nothing happened there. They couldn't find a second person. So now they have Cole Komet, which I think is a great landing spot at tight end for the Bears. And then your boy Darnell Mooney, um, wide receiver out of two lanes. So uh, cover Komet really quick and then uh, give us some Mooney love. Yeah, Komet's one of the 10 running or tight ends on the roster. Him and Graham will split. I mean, it's rookie tight end. Don't draft him in redraft. Stash him in dynasty. If you have a tight end spot, I picked him up for a couple taxi squads in my rookie drafts just because the upside is clearly there with what they did with Trey Burton two years ago, but I'm not, like, super excited by any means. I wish they I wish they would have addressed the, the O-line with that pick, and then I would have been feeling a lot better about this offense. Then they get Darnell Mooney. Obviously, I was really big on him uh, when we broke it down with Riff, with the receivers, our deep sleepers. So I was really pumped he went here. I was like, redraft, he's actually going to have value. And then they went out and got Ted Ginn. You don't side Ted Ginn at 35 years old to not use him. So Hamuni is now strictly a taxi squad stash. Um, but I think that he he's good. He's a good football player. I think he'll be on the team. He'll make the roster as the four. Maybe next year he takes that next step. But it's I was so high on him, and then I'm still high on him because he's still good. But it was like, like squash, like no redraft value uh, right away. That happens, man. So that's why that's why I like to have the dynamic with you and I of the di- the dynasty outlook where Mooney is potentially a free grab. He's a great hold. He's a great stash in two years. Maybe he's the number two behind Allen Robinson if he's still around, and that would be great with Anthony Miller's injury concerns. But in redraft, the way that I think about things a lot more often is like Darnell who? Because yeah, exactly. yeah. there's no chance. I mean, there's no chance. I'm even considering – first of all, I have a hard time considering Allen Robinson who's amazing and a top 12 wide receiver, I probably won't be drafting him anywhere just because he's on the Bears, let alone anybody else uh, if I'm not in a, you know, 36-team league or something ridiculous. So um, that's a different perspective. All right, let's move on to the Lions, and then we will get into 
the NFC South. So the Detroit Lions had 10 picks, tied with the Giants for the second most picks in the NFC, behind only the Vikings with those 17. Um, DeAndre Swift, second round. Uh, we've been talking about carry-on, right? Uh, I actually I, I sent a DM to – or. Uh, I tagged the, uh, I sent a tweet to the fantasy footballers on Twitter uh, just to be a dick. And I was basically just like, Hey, have you guys claimed, you know, hashtag carry gone Johnson yet? Uh, and didn't get any reply, but um, carry on Johnson certainly hurt in this situation. I talked at length about these rookie running backs coming in, supplanting the veteran um, Marlon Mack, uh, potentially Todd Gurley, uh, eventually um, some of these other guys, and you may be getting value on these veterans because they're falling due to the rookies. So my question to you is, uh, obviously we love DeAndre Swift for future and dynasty. Um, he's, he's, you know, uh, a top pick for sure. Short term though, immediately, do you think carry on is going to come in if he's healthy and have a chance to continue to be that workhorse back with DeAndre Swift spelling him? Or do you think that the Lions uh, are going to maybe just give Swift all the work he can handle and have Carrion be the second-tier guy to um, lighten his load? Uh, we do know that last year everyone was excited about him coming into his uh, second year, and, and uh, Matt Patricia came out right away and said, look, we don't want Carrion to be the 20-touch the, the guy. Carrion came out himself and said he didn't want to be a 20-touch guy, and he still hasn't had over 19 touches in a game in his career. So – Maybe it's Swift and then carry on versus carry on and then Swift. How do you feel about that? I think in terms of like this, the way they're going to use them, I think it's going to be 50-50 right on the middle. Um, mm -hmm. I think they might actually use a lot of two running back sets, whether that's, uh, I don't know, whatever you'd call it, Stafford and Shotgun and they're right next to them or there's one motioning out or they're, they're going to be creative with it. Ultimately, this helps both because it helps carry on not take a workload that he never really got but like he won't have to now you could say he'll be forced into it um i think i'll probably actually be drafting carry on and redraft just because he's gonna go so much lower oh yeah uh, rookie bias and stuff and i mean if it's a real 50 50 split you're just gonna be deciding on whoever's getting the red zone touches which i don't know who's gonna be getting the red zone touches so it might be maybe taking swift and one carry on in my other league like just to kind of like diversified a little bit but I think it'll be more of a two running back split I think this is a smart football move to everyone thinks that they had other needs this team really didn't they were just this high because Matthew Stafford got hurt so they got Jeff Okuda replaced um Darius Slay they added Desmond Trufant they have two other corners that were good last year the only spot they're lacking is D tackle but I always say D tackle is a waste of a pick you can the Broncos every year throwing some random seventh rounder guy that always gets paid the next year because it, when the defense funnels through the middle, the big D tackle is going to get tackles and look good. It's just how it works. So they don't have really any needs. You bring back Matt Stafford, hopefully. We'll see if he's healthy or not. With Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, Hawkinson, um, they, I think they might add another tight end. Oh, uh, Hunter Bryant, they added him. Mm -hmm. I think he'll make the team. So I think it'll be a high-powered offense, which, like I said, I think the Packers last year. Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones was strictly 50-50 split, but Jones got the red zone touches, which led to 19 touchdowns. That's why he was the running back, too. And Jamal Williams was maybe a flex play at best. I do want to mention, too, that uh, there is a chance that Bo Scarborough is the goal back for the Lions. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Much like Garrett Blunt was for Matt Patricia and the Patriots for many years, and, and the Lions, of course. 
Uh, quick mention on those rankings. I have DeAndre Swift right now at 25 in redraft, and I dropped Carry On down to 37. Carry On was 25 um, pre-draft, but I have dropped him 12 spots since DeAndre Swift has come to town. All right, let's move on to the NFC South. Not a lot of te- not a lot of players in general in this entire division for us to cover. Um, so you know the, the Saints. I mean, Adam Troutman, the tight end out of Dayton. I think you and I both like him a lot, uh, but he's he's a dynasty guy. He's not a redraft guy necessarily, unless you have a deeper roster. Um, in my league of record that I've been in for 12, 15 years, I talk about it all the time on the podcast, we have uh, two flex, we have seven bench spots, and an IR spot. Um, in a league like that, if I punt tight end and I get Jared Cook somehow randomly in like, I don't want to say the ninth round because he's – the best with the upside and the history and the yada yada and all the top guys are gone. If I end up with Jared cook in like the ninth, 10th round or something like that, I personally would grab Adam Troutman in like the 15th, 16th round as a tight end handcuff, if you will, because a tight end in this system is huge for the saints. And Jared cook is probably going to be moving on sooner than later in dynasty. I love him because he's going to be a great, you know, uh, player eventually but um other than that i mean they brought in tommy stevens of mississippi state who's basically just the other Taysom hill in case he gets hurt uh we know that Taysom hill now has tight end eligibility um so this this offense there's not much to talk about the saints are the saints they're going to be incredible um do you want to mention anything about this offense or their 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 draft or lack thereof um and then the falcons just to double up uh didn't draft any skill positions at all so in just one fell swoop, I guess, go ahead and, uh, and 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 tackle the Saints and the Falcons. Yeah, Troutman's just a long game, probably two years. Cause say they get rid of Cook next year, Drew Brees leaves. So he has a year of behind Cook, and then say he's the starter next year, then he has a year with a new quarterback. So it's more of a two-year sort of – that's like the ultimate taxi squad piece. I think he's a lot of upside. Um, he's very athletic, huge, very productive at Dayton. Um, so hopefully him and Jameis Winston in two years can start their 10-year stretch of greatness for the Saints. Um, the Falcons, I don't even know what they were. I mean, like, I do know what they were doing, but the, Terrell was not it at 16. Go C.D. Lamb as much as you don't need it. Go C.D. Lamb. Uh, yeah, I don't – it's going to be a tough division, and I would not put it out of the picture for the Falcons to get, like, five wins max or 12 wins max. So it's a very big range of outcomes. Last year we do our bold predictions. Daniel, who – OG listeners know uh, Daniel's my, you know, original BFF from Little League and whatnot. We started the podcast years ago with he and Curly and, and Daniel and I do bowl predictions and crazy calls preseason every year. And then we recap them again after the Super Bowl. Um, last year, one of my bowl predictions or crazy call, I can't remember. Uh, but one of them was that the Falcons would either be the uh, the best record in the NFC straight up or they would be the worst record in the NFC. And they were kind of in between because they accidentally squeezed in a couple wins at the end of the season last year. But uh, they're, what they were trying to do in the draft was just just get anybody that's going to stay healthy on defense. I mean, cornerback, defensive tackle, linebacker, safety. And then they drafted a kicker as well. So their offense is ready to go. They bring in Todd Gurley. I'm sure listeners have heard by now, but if you haven't, they do have the capability on offense to literally start a former first rounder at every single position on offense. So that's quarterback, wide receivers, running backs, and their entire offensive line and tight end. 
they have the ability to start all former first rounders if they so choose, which is pretty incredible. On defense, they've been great and talented. They just can't stay healthy. So they obviously hit that. So for fantasy, not much to talk about with the Saints or the Falcons. Honestly, not much to talk about the Buccaneers outside of Keyshawn Vaughn who we will cover here in just a second. And then the Panthers literally did not draft any offensive players. So they went uh, eight for eight on defense. So this whole NFC South for what we're doing here, there's about two names to cover. That's Adam Troutman and Keyshawn Vaughn. So let's uh, jump ahead to the Buccaneers and then we'll wrap up the NFC South. Keyshawn Vaughn goes to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, This is a great, landing spot in in general of course Tom Brady and now Gronk and all the other weapons here Bruce Arians who wants that uh David Johnson back um back who didn't really get out of Ronald Jones uh, last year they do have Dari as well still um Peyton Barber moves on to Washington this is a great landing spot uh I know you're you're stoked on Keyshawn Vaughn too how are we feeling about him uh, I'm going to cover him in redraft here in just a second but uh, in dynasty how do you feel about him with Ronald Jones still pretty young himself yeah, he comes in with 154 vacated rushing attempts and 24 vacated targets. Um, to start, he will be used as the pass catching back. Uh, he, I don't know, we touched on it. He was really good at everything and not great at anything type of back coming out of college. Played for Vanderbilt. They weren't very good, but he's very productive. Um, the one thing with Ronald Jones is that Bruce Arians did not draft him. So I think mm-hmm. that they'll be used as a one-two punch. But once Keyshawn Vaughn sort of flips it on maybe or hits that one big game i think jones will be basically washed he won't do anything um i think he's a free agent next year if i remember right dare ogunbale or however you say his last name Ogunbowale. yeah they can cut him for less than they can save like a 800k if they cut him june 1st before june 1st i think they will um so there'll be more vacated targets because he actually had quite a bit of targets last year so yeah Vaughn is dynasty like rb He's like after the tier one. I think I have him above Swift now. Um, so like my five, but it's, he just doesn't have a ton of upside because he's like the, what, fifth option on this offense at best, fourth at best um, behind uh, Gronk, Evans, and Godwin. So we'll see how that plays out. But I mean, I think he's going to have good value in redraft and dynasty. And he's kind of older though. I think he's 24 coming in. So maybe like just a three-year gap running back. I've got Keyshawn Vaughn in redraft at 27 right now. He's kind of the back of the potential starters because, again, we just don't know if he's going to be the starter or, um, you know, a, a 1B option with, with Rojo. But I do like him a lot with Tom Brady. He's going to want those dump downs. <clears throat> he also – Tom Brady needs a run game. He's just not a gunslinger like he used to be. So he's going to have to have that ability. And I'm sure Bruce Arians is going to use him as much as he can, handpicked. Uh, and he likes him a lot. So I like Keyshawn Vaughn quite a bit at 27. And I dropped Ron, uh, Rojo was actually at 27 pre-draft, um, but I have uh, moved him down to 41 now with Keyshawn Vaughn coming in. All right, last division, we've got four more teams to cover, Eagles, Cowboys, Giants, and Redskins, and then we will get out of here for the rookie fantasy breakdowns. If you're still with us, please make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Leave a comment on your best and worst landing spot for the NFC rookies, and make sure to uh, follow us on Instagram at fantasyfootball underscore TCKpod and on Twitter at TCK underscore pod. And all of our rankings have just been drafted uh, up for the first time. Official rankings, redraft, and dynasty rankings on TCKpod.com. All right, let's go into NFC East with the Eagles. Jalen Rager, 21 overall. Jalen Hurts in the second round. Um, Question mark with Jalen Hurts, of course. We'll get into him maybe with some dual threat abilities. Uh, But Jalen Rager, 
I mean, they needed to go wide receiver. Um, there was other wide receivers on the board available, but they took Reger um, out of TCU. How do you feel about that particular pick for them um, when, frankly, they had nearly every other receiver available? Um, and how do you feel about the fit there? And then they do have DJX. They bring in Marquise Goodwin from the 49ers. They're going 100% speed, and then they're two tight ends over the middle. Uh, the Eagles have a plan for sure. I'm wondering if they're going to be able to execute it, but let's start with Jalen Rager. Yeah, I mean, obviously everyone wanted Justin Jefferson to go here uh, because who knows what reason? I don't know, because they don't really have a prototype of receiver. Um, so they went all speed, like you said. All three, yeah, three guys they drafted are speed guys. They got traded for Marquise Goodwin, speed guy. Deshaun Jackson's coming back. So I think it's going to work because, it's, I mean, Goddard and Ertz are probably just as good at over the middle receivers as most of the receivers in the league. Probably the only one I would probably argue would be uh, Tyler Boyd, maybe, or maybe like a Chris Godwin type receiver, but they're still, they're still capable enough of doing that. Rager's going to come with a lot of vacated production, a lot of opportunity. Um, I, his athleticism is by far and away the best in this class. Production was lower just because TCU is not that good, but I think it'll be um, he has the widest range of outcomes because if he doesn't hit, they have plenty of other receivers that I think could easily hit. So we'll see. Um, he's my wide receiver two. I actually just checked. I have Jefferson at three. He's my wide receiver two or one, sorry, due to vacated production as of now. Um, I have him, CD, Justin Je Jefferson, and Judy as my top four. Uh, vacated production. The team is good. Um, good quarterback. So all the things are building up there. But obviously, if if it's not working out, like it. It makes sense why it wouldn't. Um, so we'll see. But I, I really like Jefferson or Rager a lot coming into 2019 or 2020. We haven't talked at all about Alshon Jeffrey, who is just kind of a thorn in everybody's side uh, with injuries and whatever. He's still Alshon Jeffrey enough to be a possession guy. He's no longer – he has no wheels anymore. But um, they have enough speed elsewhere. So he's going to be that possession guy, first down guy. Um, are you – in redraft, I have Alshon at 48, and I have Rager at 51. I generally don't like to rank teammates of the same position close like that. Um, Godwin and Evans are an exception, of course, but I just don't like the stack. You know what I mean? When you see rankings, like I was going through my rankings, and then I was double-checking on some other people and just see where I my rankings stack up because I'm curious. And I saw on one site that uh, Jordan Howard and Matt Breida were back-to-back. -back. Now they're like – 36 and 37 <laughs> at running back, but they're back to back. And to me, that just doesn't make sense. Right. So my question is to you coming in right away. Do you think Alshon is the number one quote unquote, or do you think they would maybe have Jalen Reger as that number one um, as the burner and then have Alshon essentially, you know, just that, that complimentary. Yeah. If, if Jeffrey's healthy, it's Jeffrey's, wide receiver one role to lose they can't get rid of them just due to they front load like i said they front load every single contract which i don't want to say it doesn't work because it definitely i mean it definitely does <laughs> they've had a good franchise the last couple of years so it's not like it's like not working but obviously when it comes to now like injuries ruin that because you need to get rid of them you need to move on but you can't but i think if he's healthy it's definitely his uh room to lose but i don't regular's not far behind him if that's the case but I think that, like, overall, this team is actually good. Like, I, we were, I was looking at, like, Twitter, and people were like, the, the Eagles suck. They didn't get better because everyone thinks the Cowboys adding one player makes them Super Bowl champions. But 
the Eagles literally made the same improvements and added Darius Slay and the best defensive tackle in the league last year. So they have a good team. I think they're going to be a sneaky Super Bowl contender. People said this last year, but now they actually have a depth of weapons. They have Miles Sanders in year two. Now their backup quarterback is probably one of the best in the league. So I think it's it's exciting, and I think they could definitely hit um, kind of like sort of what people wanted the Browns to be last year with all these weapons. Um, so we'll see. But I think Jeffrey, if it comes down to it, I'll probably pass on Rager and grab Jeffrey. Jeffrey, like, round, oh, gosh, I'll probably be, like, round 9 or 10 because we see wide receiver one production every game he plays. He just gets injured quite a bit. Right. I agree with you. I, I Jeffrey's, uh, Jeffrey's frustrating. I'm not going to draft him anywhere unless he falls, like, to – I mean, in our Dynasty League we just had, obviously in the Dynasty League, but he was in, like, the 18th round or something stupid. So, yeah, why not? I mean, but I'm, I'm with you there. I, I, I'll take the long game approach. All right, let's talk about Jalen Hurts really quick. Um, there's not not a lot to cover, obviously, if Carson Wentz is healthy and blah, blah, blah. But there's no – I mean, just like the Jordan Love conversation with Aaron Rodgers, there's no, surprise, there's no secret that the Eagles and everybody else – is worried about Carson Wentz's health. Period. He can't finish the season. You mentioned last time we did this, the 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 Super Bowl that they accidentally won over the Patriots. It was fucking Nick Foles, and Carson Wentz was nowhere to be seen in the playoffs. He he hurt his hand in the in the in the wild card game last year as well and fell short. So I don't dislike Carson Wentz as a player. I think he's great. I root for him. He's a, a North Dakota State guy. I've I've got some some ties in North Dakota, so I I throw some love out there. But like. I'm just not confident he's going to be the dude. And I've been kind of throwing shade for the three years of this podcast. And every time I make a post, just stating the facts and stating the fact that he's ranked as a top six quarterback every year, he's drafted as a top eight to 10 quarterback uh, every year. But frankly, he has averaged as a, as a 15 to 16 quarterback every year of his, of his career. Right. So um, I think he's seriously overvalued with huge risk. So I guess when I make those posts, I get a lot of lashback on that. Do you think Jalen Hurts is strictly a backup and potentially the next Nick Foles position there if Carson Wentz goes down? Or do you believe this talk coming out of Philadelphia that they might dual utilize him? He could potentially definitely be the backup, obviously, but kind of a not Taysom Hill per se, but like run some wildcat shit. Uh, maybe be a receiver on occasion, maybe be a straight-up running back if they need it. Yeah, I think it'll be a mixture of Taysom Hill and what we saw Lamar Jackson his rookie year. Mm -hmm. um, I don't whatever you want to call that, a hybrid, a backup quarterback with playing yeah, time. I, I don't know. Different skill set. And, yeah, it, it's completely smart. Like, he could, Frank Wright comes from this Eagles, I don't want to say, um, I always forget the coach's name, Um Shoot, I, whatever the coach's name is. I forget the coach's, the Eagles coach's name, but he comes from that coaching group and it's... Yeah. Peterson? Yeah, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they come from the same tree when they won the Super Bowl and I think it reflects on how they build their franchise. It's perfect. Like, okay, if you're listening still, like who would you have wanted the Eagles to draft, draft there? A random cornerback that would have been the fourth on their depth chart or a difference maker in Jalen Hurts that if or when Carson Wentz gets hurt, he comes in and you don't miss a single beat, and he adds a rushing element. So I think that it's just going to knock down some of Wentz's snaps. Hurts is a fantastic handcuff. He's going on like round, like round three in Superflex rookie drafts, which is insane because, like, people are drafting Jordan Love in like the middle of the second. I'm like thinking, 
unless the the Packers take a twenty million dollar cap hit, like Jalen Hurts is starting sooner than Jordan Love is, so it's definitely a good stash to have there. But yeah, if Wentz gets hurt, he's fantastic and in, in fantasy and dynasty and redraft. But I think it just overall boosts the offense. I mean, like people always like, how do you game plan for the Saints? You don't know where Taysom Hill is going to be lined up. You don't know where Michael Thomas is going to be lined up. Now Sanders, two running backs. Now you add in Miles Sanders, probably another running back, most likely. A ton of receivers, two tight ends. Now Jalen Hurts. So I think it's it just boosts the whole team up. I'm still not drafting Carson Wentz. I never will in fantasy. I can never find myself doing it because. I don't know why, to be honest. It's just like he comes up there and it's like Carson Wentz, Baker Mayfield, Jared Goff, and you're just like, yeah, I'll wait till two rounds or something. So it's just like I probably still won't draft him, uh, but I think it just helps the team in general. And, and in that in that case, I'm taking I'm taking Baker and or Jared Goff over Wentz every time because I'll take the still question mark of the upside, but the injury concerns aren't there as of right now. And you know, you and I talk a lot about not trying to over emphasize the injury shit like players get hurt and then i always think about like certain situations like emmanuel sanders who's 30 years old tore his fucking achilles like regular human beings like you and i if we tear our achilles dude we're out for like five years like we're not doing anything athletic for a very long time and this dude came back in like eight months and was borderline a pro bowler on a super bowl team so they're these athletes are able to do it but the problem is when somebody like carson wentz his entire career has been hurt every single season, it's a problem, and it's going to continue. All right, that's a lot of the Eagles. Let's get into the Cowboys, Giants, and Redskins, and we'll get out of here. Just a couple more names to cover. Cowboys, right up at the top here, 17th overall, CeeDee Lamb. Uh, probably, I would say, outside of the two quarterbacks we just mentioned, Jordan Love and Jalen Hurts, this is probably the biggest eyebrow raiser of the entire draft. Um CeeDee Lamb going to the Cowboys. Obviously, they have Amari Cooper. Obviously, they have Michael Gallup. Um, this is a huge topic of conversation. Uh, I'm going to let you cover this as a draft pick in CD Lamb specifically, and then I'm going to compare quickly um, Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper's last year statistics because I think what people are not realizing is Amari Cooper is the alpha one-ish, but he may not even be on the team next year Michael Gallup was arguably better last year in certain categories. So you take CeeDee Lamb and I'll take the other two. Yeah, so this is one of those picks where it makes sense, but are the Cowboys really – like basically what this pick meant was they needed a – they drafted a non-needed position. They're confident in their rotational pieces of a bunch of cornerback 2.5s that play zone the whole – they don't have any corners. They don't have – they had to sign Alden Smith from retirement for three years because they don't have any edge rushers. Like I loved Alden Smith, dude. So like, much. so it's whatever. Like, take City Land, move on. They had a good draft. The rest of the draft, but okay, every, every team has like this happens every year. Everyone's like, oh my gosh, like they had this guy in the fourth round because I really liked him. But everyone's good at football. Not everyone pans out. It in the terms of dynasty. So Gallup's a free agent in two years. Cooper's kind of a free agent in two years because they front loaded all his guaranteed money into the first two years, which I think was smart. But like I said in the last podcast, that basically shows that you're not confident in the in the $100 million contract you just threw out. So, like, it's just another concern. They go out and draft Gallup, and then they just replace him in two years. So, it's just like a big jumble of what the hell's going to happen here. Uh, the vacated production from Cobb and Tavon Austin uh, just in the receiver room is a, a little over 1,000 yards. So, I think Lamb will get that. 
Um, he's going to be fine in terms of dynasty. I have him as my wide receiver too. Redraft, I'm sure he'll be okay, but not at his ADP because he's going to be super inflated. I'll take Gallup around or two later, most likely, or even at the same ADP. But it's just like, I don't know. I, I say this with the Browns. Like they, I'll see it when I believe it because every year they're like, oh my gosh, this is all we need. And then 8-8, eight 7-9, and 9-7. Eight, and nine, nine and seven. They lose week 16 to the Eagles for the division championship. And then they're like, oh, but our insert random excuse, like Dak was hurt last year. Well, it's your fault for not having a competent backup. Now they have Andy Dalton. They still don't have Dak signed for next year. So it's just a big, um, I mean, it, like I said, it starts in the it starts in the, the, the front office or the, the whatever you want to call it, the GM room in terms of even in fantasy value. That's why I look at that like that. But I think that don't be afraid to draft land because the path to upside is there. Um, I think the only thing I would say would be don't draft Amari Cooper because one injury concern, don't draft him anyways. But now he has two receivers that might be better than him uh, for this offense. Great. And I I have Amari Cooper right now in redraft. I, this is, of course, PPR. We always do PPR uh, full. I have Amari Cooper at 17. He was my number eight receiver pre-draft. Number eight receiver pre-draft. Yeah. Number 17 now. Michael Gallup, who I absolutely love, is 33. I had him at 29 anyway, but he's at 33 now. And then CeeDee Lamb creeps in at 42. So I've got three of these uh, these Cowboy receivers in the top 40 uh, or top 45 picks. But um, that's pretty insane that, I, I mean, I just dropped him eight positions here. Um, <clears throat> I was going to do a big comparison. I'll just mention a few different statistics, but I just realized that I want us to earmark this really quick while I'm thinking about it. I want to do a podcast on teammates, right? We've heard kind of the friendship strategy, like drafting um, Godwin and Evans somehow, or um, uh, Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley on the same team, or Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, or CeeDee Lamb on the same team, Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. You draft teammates on purpose because the value's there and, and uh, the production's there. Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, whatever. I want to do another one, which is kind of just comparing guys like this. So comparing last year's like Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup, um, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, like what actually happened with these players and why we think that. So Michael Gallup played two less games last year, 13, um, or sorry, 14 to, to 16 um, to Amari Cooper. Michael Gallup had only 82 less yards overall. Um, he actually had six more yards per game, uh, six more receiving yards per game. Um, he had seven less targets and missed two games, so he would have surpassed them there. I'm not going to talk about touchdowns, eight to six, because those are unreliable there. Um, but he also had uh, an extra target per game as well. And then this is kind of an important one. So target market share uh, on the team, Michael Gallup had 22% target market share, and Amari Cooper had 21. So it's a comparable number. However, if you're thinking of Amari Cooper as the alpha number one, that just – on paper, statistically, wasn't the case. Uh, they were very even, if if nothing else. Um, Amari Cooper did outpace him in, in air yards overall, but again, Michael Gallup missed two games. And the last one I'll bring up here is air yards per game, 106 from Michael Gallup and 10 less for Amari Cooper at 96. So we know that Amari Cooper can have humongous games, um, but he's also kind of unpredictable as well. So personally, I like Michael Gallup and CeeDee Lamb moving forward. If I were to pick two of these three for a redraft and or um, a dynasty league, I think I would maybe punt Amari Cooper, which is crazy to say, and I'm going to have Amari Cooper ranked higher just because, but I'm 
getting more and more comfortable, A, with Michael Gallup, who I think everybody's fucking terrified of right now, and CeeDee Lamb, uh, especially in Dynasty. So we'll cover that when we get into our Dynasty League because we did get Michael Gallup pre-draft, which felt like a steal in the fifth round or sixth round, wherever we got him. Uh, but then CeeDee Lamb gets drafted, and we're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> there goes our wide receiver, too. But now I don't, I'm not so scared of it uh, personally. All right, let's jump into um, – the tight end, uh, the, the, the Giants have nobody to cover, really. Um, they had really no skill positions at all. They grabbed Andrew Thomas, fourth overall from Georgia, the tackle. Um, they're pretty, I don't know about stacked, uh, but they're full on offense. They'll be just fine. Your usual suspects will be all right. We definitely need to spend some time not on this podcast, but we need to break down the wide receiver core for the Giants. I think a lot of them have potential. A lot of them have uh, redraft potential. I think Darius Slayton is maybe the only dynasty guy that I'm targeting um, personally, uh, but we should break down their, their weapons there outside of Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones. <clears throat> so let's jump to the Redskins and then we will get out of here. Um, Chase Young goes second overall defensive end. No real surprise there. I know that you thought um, maybe they should have gone cornerback there with their secondary issues, but nonetheless, they go with uh, Antonio Gibson out of Memphis, the running back, and then Antonio Gandy Golden, the wide receiver out of Liberty. So let's cover AG and AGG to get out of here for the Redskins, and uh, we will wrap up the NFC fantasy implications. Yeah, so Gandy Golden, he's an interesting prospect, and I think this might have been like not the worst landing spot, but not a good landing spot. The wide receiver core seems like everyone was like, oh my gosh, like he's going to be the number two right away. But Steven Sims played really good at the end of the year, and Harmon played like a lot of snaps, like wide receiver two snaps. Like, I like, think everyone thinks that like you have to be fantasy relevant to be a good receiver. Like why does Willie Sneed keep getting paid? Because he's a really good NFL receiver. So is Calvin Harmon. I think Steven Sims will play that slot. Then you add in uh, Trey Quinn who plays okay. So Gandy Golden's more just a long shot uh, dynasty throw. If he really has the potential everyone thinks he does. Yeah, sure. He might be the number two, but I'm not really too bought into that. Or I don't really care too much to even think about Gandy Golden in terms of dynasty. Gibson's interesting. Obviously, the running back-receiver hybrid. Everyone thinks he's a running back because one person said it on Twitter after the combine. Um, <laughs> if he was really a running back, he would have had more than 33 carries last year. No matter how many running backs are on SMU, it's it's SMU. Like they're a good, they're ranked top 25. But like, come on, it's SMU. He would have had more than 33 carries if he's truly a running back. So he's going to be more of a what Lynn Bowden is, um, uh, Taysom Hill ish, but way more athletic. Um, so he'll be interesting. It's a fun dynasty stash. Probably not much in redraft. Um, I would say if Geis is healthy, he's the three behind AP and Geis. But even like Barber's going to get some work. Uh, McKissick, they signed him for a reason. He's productive when he's used. So it's more of a hope Gibson plays the slot um, and just gets like the, the, the five manufactured touches and a couple extra outside of that. Um, but it's more of just a just toss, toss him on their dynasty bench and hopefully he turns into... Debo Samuel, you could say. Right. I think that's a great call on both of them. It's 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 fun to get excited, and we saw what Terry McLaurin was able to do as a rookie in this offense last year. But, you know, Dwayne Haskins, again, is we're just not sure exactly how he's going to pan out, and they do have a ton of running backs. So I think that's a, that's a good breakdown there of the Redskins. I have nothing else to add, my man. Well done. That wraps up the NFC East and the NFC entirely. Um Again, if you have not yet checked out our first official rankings of the season, uh, Redraft and Dynasty, please go to TCK Pod to check those out. We have many articles uh, available as well, um, and we will be updating our uh, rankings, you know, uh, as we go along here in the summer. 
We also have not officially dropped it. We're going to soon. The 200th episode is coming up next, which is fucking unbelievable, bro. I'm pretty pretty pumped on that. Um, awesome. But uh, after that, we are going to be, maybe in addition to, we'll be uh, mentioning some new developments here on the podcast, some other ways to get in touch with us, uh, some ways to support the program. If you are into that, we would much appreciate it. But um, mainly our draft guide that we're building for you coming up this summer. Um, and uh, hopefully by now you have a glimpse of what <clears throat> Lucas and myself and our team are capable of uh, with the rookie draft guide, which dropped, which I'm going to give Lucas one more opportunity to rep here in just a second. But uh, we'll be getting into more of the TCK pod draft guide information coming up as we finalize that. Uh, before we get out of here, man, please let everybody know one more time um, what they're missing out on if they don't have it yet with your fantasy stock exchange uh, rookie draft guide. Yep, fscdraftguide.com. Uh, it's a rookie draft guide, but it's just a rookie sort of information website. Dynasty drafts, rookie startup drafts, redraft, or if you just want to learn about some rookies, go there. Completely free. Lots of stuff on there. Um, we'll be adding some stuff to it in terms of rookie content, but then it'll be a redraft sort of dynasty guide similar to the way that was set up for the summer. Awesome. Yep. Great, great, great content on their rankings and film watching and everything else. So shouts out to the entire Fantasy Stock Exchange. Big ups to our friends at the Commission FFP who are a big part of that with their uh, player cards and whatnot and um, and the, the graphics and stuff. So well done, uh, Lucas, to you. That was a fantastic uh, program. And again, it's free. Zero dollars. Make sure you go check it out. FSE. Uh, fantasy, uh, sorry. FantasyStockExchange.com. Uh, so make sure you go check out that. Um, for us, we will be dropping more information coming up again, the 200th episode coming up next. Very, very excited about that. We got some special things planned for you and we'll get into it. Uh, make sure you're subscribing to the YouTube, drop a comment on your least favorite and most favorite NFC landing spot for these rookies. And let us know if you're concerned about any of these veterans as well, or who you think maybe gained some value to in redraft and dynasty formats. Make sure to leave a rate and review on the podcast. Follow us on Instagram at fantasyfootball underscore TCK pod on Twitter at TCK underscore pod. And of course on the website at tckpod.com. Thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.